My name is Adam and it's so great to have you with us for our Good Friday service. Now I don't know about you, but if we look around at the moment, it seems that we mostly see bad news. We see bad news on our television screens, on our computer screens, on our phones. We see bad news in the supermarket aisles. We see graphs and predictions and bold headlines. And it's easy to get caught up in the flood of bad news. It's easy to feel a little bit despairing or despondent. Thankfully, today is a day of good news. And it's such good news that it transforms all other news. Today, of course, is Good Friday. It's the day that we remember the death of Jesus. The day that he died on a Roman cross on a hill outside Jerusalem around AD 33. Now, it's odd, isn't it, to call a day devoted to death good? Especially a death so violent and degrading like Jesus' death. How can a day where he was mocked and stabbed and and flogged and ultimately crucified, how can a day like that be considered good? Well, I would suggest that the word good is not even strong enough. Good Friday should actually be called Great Friday. It should be called Life-Changing Friday, World-Transforming Friday, because the fact is the cross is the most significant event in history. If we will have eyes to see and ears to hear, we will recognize it as the best news ever. Now, what is the best news that you've ever received? I heard a story recently about a man named David Cam. Now, David was sentenced to life in prison in the year 2000 for the murder of his wife and two children. He spent 13 years in prison, and the entire time he maintained his innocence. He appealed his conviction three times until eventually, in October 2013, new evidence was discovered which proved his innocence. And David Cam was declared not guilty and was released from jail. Now that's good news, isn't it? Kids, what about you? What's the best news that you've ever received? Maybe it was when you heard that school holidays would be starting a little bit early this year. The message of Good Friday is a message of good news. And it's good news for every single one of us. And we see this in the passage that we heard just a moment ago in Romans 8. Because this passage tells us that through the death of Jesus Christ, we too have been declared not guilty. We too have been set free. Not because we're innocent, but because the punishment has been paid by someone else, because the sentence has been served by another. This is exactly what we read in verse 1. Let me remind you of what it said. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now look closely at these life-changing words. It says, there is therefore now, not 10 years from now or or 20 years from now when you finally get your life together, but now, in this moment, there is no condemnation. Not less condemnation, but no condemnation. God has no charge against you. 
God finds nothing to punish you for. In fact, the word no is emphatic. It means none at all. You are not temporarily set free from condemnation until you mess up the next time. No, you are permanently and forever set free from condemnation. Condemnation no longer exists for you at all. Now, how do you get in on this? Who is this for? Well, the end of the verse tells us it is for those in Christ Jesus. Not for the shiny, not for the impressive, not for the put together, but simply for those who are in Christ Jesus. For those who have their faith in Him. Now, this would have to be one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. In fact, it is one of the greatest sentences in one of the greatest chapters, in one of the greatest letters in the greatest book ever. One writer says about Romans 8, he says, It is the inner sanctuary within the cathedral of the Christian faith, the tree of life in the midst of the Garden of Eden, the highest peak in a range of mountains. Or as another put it, the masterpiece within the masterpiece. A million floating lanterns released into and against a dark sky. Have you ever wondered, am I disqualified from knowing God? Can my past be forgiven? Can my present be changed? Can my future be assured? If you've ever wondered that, then Romans 8 is in the Bible for you. A pastor named Ray Ortland, he says it this way. He says, Romans 8 is perfect for all of us who have miniaturized the grace of God without even realizing it. Romans 8 magnifies the grace of God. Not like a microscope, that makes a tiny thing look big, but like a telescope, that brings a massive thing up close. God's grace is better than we think. And these truths in Romans 8, they are real and true and beautiful because of the events that took place on Good Friday. These verses tell us why Jesus died on the cross and what it means for you and for me. In other words, they tell us honestly and lovingly our problem, and most importantly, they graciously point us to our Saviour. And so let's take a moment to look at those two things, our problem and our Saviour. Firstly, our problem. Now, if we are going to properly appreciate Jesus, if we're going to truly understand the cross, if we are going to truly cherish Good Friday, then we need to properly and truly appreciate our problem. And verse 2 says that the human problem is that we are enslaved to the law of sin and death. In other words, we cannot overcome our sinful corruption our tendency towards God-avoidance and self-centeredness. Nor can we escape the clutches of death. This, according to the Bible, is the human problem. We are enslaved to sin and death. Now, whatever label you give it, I think most people recognize that we have a problem, that there is something wrong with us and that we need cleansing. For example, early last year in the Indian city of Allahabad, the largest religious festival in the world was held. The normal population of Allahabad is 1.2 million. 
But from January to March last year, an estimated 120 million people flocked to the city. Now, they were there for a Hindu cleansing festival. And many of them gathered by the river Ganges. They went into the river, they dunked themselves in the water, some of them even drank the water. Why? Well, the Hindu belief is that if they bathe during this festival, they will be cleansed from sin and they will be freed from the cycle of rebirth. One participant said one dip in the river has the power to change life forever. Now, of course, the Hindus are not the only uh, people that have a cleansing ceremony to deal with sin. In Islam, before a a man enters the mosque for prayer, he will perform the ritual of wudu. He will wash his face, his arms, his hands, and his feet. In ancient Judaism, if you travel to the temple, you would immerse yourself in mikvah, a ritual bath to cleanse yourself. Through all time and through all cultures, we see these ritual purifications because we know deep down that there's something wrong with us, that we need cleansing. And you don't have to be a religious person to realize this. You might not be a a Hindu from India or a, a Muslim from Pakistan or a Jew from Israel. You might be an atheist or an agnostic from Australia. But if you look around us, if you look at our world, If you look within yourself, the desires and the thoughts of your own heart and mind, I think you would recognize that there is something wrong. It was the Russian author Alexander Solzhenitsyn, which is a great name. He said, The line separating good and evil passes not through states or between classes or between political parties, but right through every human heart and all human hearts. And this is exactly what the Bible says. Romans 2 says that written on every human heart and seared onto every human conscience is an understanding of God's law, an understanding of what is right and what is wrong. But the curse of sin and our great problem is that though we know what is right and wrong, though we know what God wants from us, we don't do it. We're not even able to do it. This is what the Bible says in Romans 7. The Apostle Paul writes and he puts it this way. He says, For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, can you relate to those words? I know that I can. Another author put it this way, Carl Sandburg. He said, there is an eagle in me that wants to soar and there is a hippopotamus in me that wants to wallow in the mud. We are not who we were created to be. We are glorious ruins. We are fallen. We are corrupted. We are bent out of shape. There is something that has gone wrong with us and we are not able to fix it on our own. You know, there is a scene in Macbeth, the the famous play by Shakespeare, where Lady Macbeth is having a a dream, she's sleepwalking, and in this dream, she's trying to deal with a a spot of blood that is on her hand. And she's shouting, she keeps saying again and again, out, out, out. But no matter how loudly she shouts or how vigorously she rubs it, the spot won't go away. And the spot represents the guilt that she is carrying. 
Now, in a lot of ways, Lady Macbeth is a picture of the human race. We were created by God to know God and to love God. We were created to be pure and to be whole before God. But we have turned away from God. We have disobeyed God and sin has entered in. It's entered into our reality, our universe, our experience. Now, we might regard sin as just a little thing, but it's a little thing in the same way that a virus is a little thing. And that's been something on our minds recently, hasn't it? Now, if a virus enters into an organism, it corrupts and it sickens the entire organism. And in the same way, sin has corrupted everything. It's put a crack in everything. And there's nothing we can do about it. In 1998, Billy Graham, the great evangelist, he gave a TED Talk. Now, I bet you didn't know that TED Talks had been around that long. It was titled, Technology, Faith and Human Shortcomings. And in this talk, on the one hand, he he spoke about how amazing technology is. It's enabled us to go to the moon, uh, to plunge the depths of the sea, to gaze into the galaxy billions of miles away. But Billy Graham observed, with all of these technological advances, there is still something deeply wrong with us. And this was true 20 years ago, and it's still true today. I mean, there are wars in every generation. There are revolutions. We have destructive habits and tendencies. We can't even get along with our own families all the time. There is racism and injustice and violence and slavery and fraud. Billy Graham went on to say, he said, even the most sophisticated intellects have no answer to the question, how do we fix man? It's a great question, how do we fix man? The answer is, we can't, at least not on our own. I mean, we are unable to remove our sin any more than Lady Macbeth was able to remove that spot of blood. So what's the answer? What should our response be to this news? Well, perhaps the most common response is denial. We hear this news of sin and death and and judgment, and we think, well, come on, that's that's a bit over the top. I mean, I'm basically a good person. I might make mistakes every now and again, but all things considered, I mostly get it right. But even if that were true, basically good is not good enough. Mostly right is not right enough. In the end, all of our attempts fall short. Now, maybe your response is not denial, but despair. Maybe you don't need to be told that you're sinful. Maybe you live with the pain of your sin and your mistakes every single day. You live with a crippling sense of shame, a crushing weight of guilt. You think, if there is a God, there is no way that He would or could forgive me, love me, or accept me. Thankfully, God does not want us to respond in either of those ways. God wants more from us than either denial or despair. God wants to give us the gift of rescue, the gift of grace. And this is what Good Friday is all about. And this leads us to our our second point, our Savior. You see, Good Friday tells us that God has sent rescue. This is what we read in verse 3 of Romans 8, that God saved us by sending His own Son, in the likeness of sinful flesh, to be a sin offering. 
Now this verse describes what God has done for us. And it tells us that he has sent Jesus on a rescue mission into our world. And this verse tells us that Jesus, the Son of God, has become like us. He was one of us, but not corrupt. It also tells us that Jesus not only came like us, he also came for us. He came to be a sin offering, to die on the cross in our place in payment for our sin. Now, we all have a sense of atonement, a sense of justice. I mean, when someone does something wrong to us, we don't like it to just be swept under the carpet. We all know how it feels when someone wrongs us and then they act as if everything's okay. Now, how could we, who have wronged God so deeply, who have made such a mess of God's world, how could we expect Him to simply sweep it under the rug? Now, our wrongs against God, our evil, it must be dealt with. And what makes Good Friday truly good is that on the cross, Jesus owned our wrongs as if they were his own. In fact, here's exactly what God did for us. Verse 3, he condemned sin in the flesh. You can be declared not condemned by God because God condemned your sin in the death of Christ. Jesus was condemned in your place, so you never will be. And this is exactly what we read in our Old Testament reading from Isaiah 53. Many years before Jesus came, we have this prophecy of what he would come to do. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. I recently read a a paragraph in a book that stopped me in my tracks. The author describes in vivid language what took place on the cross many, many years ago on that first Good Friday. He describes what Jesus was doing and what Jesus was experiencing on the cross. Here's what he says. He says, He isn't just feeling the anger and spite and unbearable self-disgust of this one crowd on this one Friday morning in Palestine. He's turning his bruised face toward the whole human crowd, past and present and to come, and accepting everything we have to throw at him, everything we fear we deserve ourselves. The doors of his heart are wedged open wide, and in rushes the whole pestilential flood, the vile and roiling tide of cruelties and failures and secrets. Let me take that from you, he is saying. Give that to me instead. Let me carry it. Let me be to blame instead. I am big enough. I am wide enough. I am the friend who will never leave you. I am the light behind the darkness. I am the shining your shame cannot extinguish. I am change and hope. I am the refining fire. I am the door where you thought there was only a wall. I am what comes after deserving. I am the earth that drinks up the bloodstain. I am gift without cost. I am, I am, I am. Or as 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
Or as Nicky Gumbel says, the essence of sin is us substituting ourselves for God, playing God, wanting to be God. The essence of salvation is God substituting himself for us. And friends, this is what makes Good Friday truly good. Because it means through the finished work of Christ on the cross, you are free. You are accepted. You are forgiven. And you have a future filled with hope. So here's the question. What is your response? You can deny it. Nah, the Bible's exaggerating. I'm not that bad. I don't need help from anyone else. Thank you very much. But you must realize there is a price that must be paid. You can open up to Christ and you can have Him pay it for you on your behalf. Or you will have to pay it yourself one day. You can despair. You can say, I am that bad and there's no hope for me. But who are you to deny what God so obviously says? That there is hope for you and that you can be forgiven in Christ. The far better response is to receive God's deliverance. To open up the empty hands of faith and to receive the gift that God gives. The gift of His Son so that you might be free, forgiven and never be condemned. God has done everything and it's all a gift. And we receive it by simple faith. So maybe you want to receive the gift of freedom in Christ today. Maybe you want to turn to Christ for the first time. Maybe you've wandered from God and you want to come back. If that's you, I want to lead us in a simple prayer right now. It's not the prayer that saves us, it's Jesus who saves us. But the prayer is an acknowledgement that we are sinful and in need of saving and that God has sent a saviour, Jesus Christ. And so I'm just going to pray this prayer for us and if you would like to pray along with me, you pray it in your heart. And so let's all join together as we pray. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus for me. I admit that I am sinful and in need of saving. And I want to turn from my sin, from my God avoidance, from my self-centeredness, and I want to receive what Christ has done for me. I want to receive the gift of forgiveness and new life. I want to receive the gift of your Spirit to begin the lifelong journey of knowing your love and your goodness. Thank you, God. I am yours and you are mine. Amen. If you prayed this prayer, I would love to encourage you to, after the service, head to church online. There's a button there that says connect with us. Please just fill out your details. Let us know that you prayed this prayer and we would love to follow you up and help you get started on this journey of knowing Jesus and following Jesus. But what we're going to do right now is we're going to respond by singing. And we're going to sing the hymn, In Christ Alone. And I just want to share some words from this hymn as we close because they're so beautiful and so profound. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. 
No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here, in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Church, I love you. I'll see you on Sunday. And may grace and peace be yours in Christ Jesus. Amen.